Good morning. Let's um, let's pray together. Father, the, uh, this morning we just thank you for the privilege it is to be here and to sit under the teaching of your word. We just ask, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us through your word and transform us. Soften our hearts and teach us to be more like Christ. Form us more into his image this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> The absolute uh, gracious and, and giving and generous heart of God is on display in our passage this morning. What we see is, is Moses delivering a glimpse of, of a vision of how the community of God should function. Moses gives these instructions to Israel uh, as they wait just outside the promised land. And he does it because Israel needs to know how God expects them to treat one another. They need to know in very clear and practical terms uh, what it means to live as God's people. They need to know what it means to love God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength and to love their neighbour as themselves. So it's going to be vital that they get this. They must get this because as God's people, they're representing God himself to everyone around them how they speak to one another, how they treat each other, uh, how they work together and and support one another uh, in everyday life. It's all a reflection of God himself. But it's also a a reflection of the condition of each person's heart. See, God calls his people to have open hearts and open hands. He wants Israel to have a practical faith, and a love for him that overflows to everyone else in the community, in everyday life. So if they follow God's instructions, their community is going to be functioning real well by the time they get in the land. If they follow God's instructions, there won't be any poor or needy people in their community. If everyone's got each other's backs, if God's people care for God's people and lift one another up and build one another up and show compassion to each other, not only will they be blessed in it, but all the surrounding nations will see it and and be magnetised to it. It'll be infectious. You know, they'll be saying, give me some of that. I want what they're having. Who's their God? I want to worship him. That kind of thing. So as we look to the passage now, we're going to see God's generous provision in verses 1 to 3 and how this generosity leads to uh, the good life for his people in verses 4 to 6 and his clear instructions on how to achieve it in verses 7 to 11. When I was uh, was 29 when I came to faith in Christ... But by that stage of my life, uh, I was already up to my eyeballs in debt. House loan, car loan, GE account, Sergi account, probably a stack of others. Uh, and all that debt weighed heavy on me, hey? Um, all that debt meant I had to work harder and, and longer just to, just to make ends meet, just to keep my head above water. 
Sometimes I wish that I could just have a break from paying it back for a while. If I was honest, you know, pay it back at all. But, you know, even just a break from the pressure of it for a little while, that would have been awesome. Would have been great. Would have given me a chance to catch my breath. And that, that's, that's what we see here in verses 1 to 3. We see the generous heart of God making provision for the people who are struggling with debt. Generous provision for those who can't make ends meet. Let's read together from verse, from verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbour. He shall not exact it of his neighbour, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. Now, I should probably straighten something out here. Um, this is talking about people who are, who are in debt and being freed up from paying it off. But here's the thing. A lot of the debt I had was actually just really extra stuff that I didn't need. I mean, no one needs a brand new black V8 SSU, right? No one needs a gigantic telly and full surround sound, right? No one needs that stuff. Uh, see, the debt, the debt incurred by someone in ancient Israel uh, probably wasn't due to impulse buying like that, right? Um, it's quite unlikely that Moses or any other Israelite uh, you know, walked down their driveway and found the latest JB Hi-Fi catalogue you know, and got the sudden urge to go tick up a 60-inch plasma and, and a couple of cinema chairs to deck out the tabernacle. Well, I think it's a bit different to that. See, their debt was more likely due to a failed crop, right? So they lacked food. Or from an accident or death that stopped the workers of the household actually providing. So they'd have to go to someone uh, who could provide them with, with the absolute essentials for living in that culture. This meant that they might have to pledge some land until they could pay off the debt. Or they'd have to actually pledge themselves as a slave until, you know, they could pay it off or, and, and just get the needs for everyday life. See, we've got to remember, they had no Woolies or Coles or no Centrelink, so it's pretty serious. It's high-pressure it's high living, really. But for a lot of reasons different to what we might experience here in Brizzy. And so we see that... God commands that all debts be cancelled every seven years. But specifically within the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. At the start of verse 3, we can see that uh, God's not not concerned with standard business transactions with others. He's actually concerned with setting the standard for his own people. He's concerned with the welfare uh, of the poor and needy Israelites. Because he desires that his own people treat one another with gracious and generous hearts just like God treats them. Now, there's debates about whether the release was um, just for the seventh year or if it was to be cancelled completely. But either way, it provides two opportunities. One, it allows the people uh, the opportunity to practice generosity by freeing people of their debt. 
And two, it allows other people to experience that blessing, to experience that generosity. And so it involves everyone in the community. Everyone must give and receive as necessary. And that's the generous provision of God. Picture this. It's Sunday morning. It's 7am. My wife and I are waking up to our alarm clock. We get up. We walk into our children's room and wake them up with a big hug and kiss. It's breakfast time. All four kids are waiting patiently at the dining table. All four kids happily eat the breakfast that's put in front of them. It's funny, hey? Everyone goes off and gets dressed for church. We all walk to the car. Everyone is wearing shoes. We arrive at church. It's ten to nine. After a friendly greeting at the door, we all walk in orderly fashion to our seat. The kids are quietly reading their Bible as they wait for the service to commence. What do you reckon? Sounds like a bit of an ideal scenario, right? Well, that's what we got here in the next chunk, in verses 4 to 6. Moses tells the people that there will be no poor among you. No poor. None at all. And in verse 6 he says, And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. Israel's going to become some kind of economic powerhouse. Sounds ideal, right? But just like my family's uh, ideal Sunday morning, it's not just going to happen by default. For the ideal to come about, there must be clear instructions and they've got to be followed exactly. So for, for Israel to live and to function together uh, so well that no one in the community lacks anything, they're going to have to obey God fully by giving generously to one another. Now, that could be hard for the lenders. It might put extra pressure on them because they're not getting back money and and stuff like that that they're owed. But according to Moses, obeying this command is going to pay off for them big time. More so than if they choose to keep on charging the poor uh, throughout the seventh year. See, the, the ideal is that God's people be generous like he is. To give freely like he does to have soft and open hearts towards the needy rather than being um, tight-fisted and and keeping everything for themselves. Here's the promise to Israel if they choose to obey their God. Verse 4. For the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you. So that's the promise. And here's the logic. If they obey God, they'll be richly blessed. And if God blesses them richly, there'll be no poor in the land. See, God has made generous provision for the poor and painted the picture of the ideal for the nation. But unless each individual actually takes hold of that and actually does something, actually lives out their faith in this God, 
then they can kiss that ideal goodbye. If they fail to show compassion to each other, if they choose to be tight-fisted and hard-hearted, then it's all going to fall to bits. The community's not going to function. And so it's vital that they follow God's command. Part of the um, debt I racked up earlier in my life included this nice, big, long, black, glossy TV unit to put my gigantic TV on. You know, it was sweet. But it was a flat pack. Right? It came disassembled. You know, that's all good. How hard can it be, right? I'm a, you know, I'm a bloke. I've got tools. I'll smash it out in about half an hour. Four hours later, I was ready to set this thing on fire, right? But I'll tell you, it wasn't my fault. It was, serious, it wasn't my fault. It was the instructions. I'll tell you, this was them, right? Step one. Next to it was a picture of a completed cabinet. Step one. Serious. You know, I thought instructions were meant to be very clear. I thought instructions should actually spell out the steps to take so that the end goal can be achieved quickly and with, you know, as painless as possible and without setting cabinets on fire. See, whoever that flat pack company was, they got it wrong. But God gets nothing wrong. So it's vital that Israel follow God's clear instructions here in verses 7 to 11. From verse 7, If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. That's a very clear, clear instruction, right? If you see a family member or any Israelite in need... Open your heart and your hands to them. Show compassion to them. Give whatever you can to meet their need. Aim to be that ideal community. Strive for that vision that God's put in front of them. The reality is, though, God knows the depth and the darkness and the deceitfulness of the human heart. That's why there's a warning here in verse 9. God knows how selfish humans are. God knows how little faith they have in him. God knows that people love to hoard stuff and to build their own little safe havens on earth. God knows that people often trust in things like money and possessions instead of him. So they have tight fisted lives rather than giving freely to those who actually need it so here's the paradox Israel must be holding on to let go they must be holding on to let go they must be holding on to the promises of God trusting in him alone for all their needs so they can let go of their money and possessions and give freely and happily to those in need And it's the same for us. We too must be holding on to let go. Hold on to God. Let go of this world. The truth is, 
God knows the heart, hey? He knows the heart of each and every Israelite. He knows the heart of each and every one of us here. And there's nowhere to hide. God knows all of our unworthy thoughts towards each other. He knows that we often look down upon the ones in need. He knows that we often do nothing about it. So each Israelite, each one of us here are in serious debt because of it. We're all guilty of sin. We've all violated our relationship with God. We've all insulted our maker. This entire passage is about the heart. It's all about the hearts and minds of everyone being captured by God and affected by God and changed and shaped and softened by God so that our hands will be wide open to those who need it most. In this church, in other churches and beyond. Verse 10 is clear that when they find someone in need, they must give freely and happily. And again, the promise of blessing is here. Verse 10. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Not only has God redeemed Israel from slavery, he's giving them a new place to live, is providing everything continually daily, including instructions on the best way to live in community, but he promises even more blessing upon that. This is why it's so evil for for them to withhold anything from a brother in need, because it's all been gifted by God in the first place. Every crop, every calf, every coin, it's all been gifted by God. And so this is their purpose in life. To receive and enjoy God's blessing and to be a blessing to others. And the way to do that is to give with generous hearts, freely and happily to those in the community of faith. These are God's clear instructions to his people. When I was in uh, Mexico last year, I met an ex-drug lord who's now a pastor at multiple churches in Tijuana. He was telling me he used to walk past the homeless people uh, in his own town and he'd kick them and he'd tell them, you know, get up, get a job. But after he was converted by Christ, his life was completely transformed. His heart changed, it softened. And now his heart aches for the homeless. His heart aches for the poor and needy in his own community. So much that he cries out to God in prayer. And in one time he was crying out to God earnestly, God, take action, do something about the poor. You know what happened? You know what God told him? You do something about it. You do it. All through this passage, Moses has been directing his speech to each and every single individual. Which means everybody's got a responsibility. 
Everybody's got a responsibility to be a good steward of the gifts that God has given them. But why? Well, there's a couple of answers in verse 11. First, they must be good stewards because there will never cease to be poor in the land. So there's always going to be a need to give. And second, God told them to. He says, Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. So we've heard the ideal scenario, but here's the stark reality of it all. There will never cease to be poor in the land because there'll never cease to be people with hard hearts and closed hands. They'll never cease to be poor because the human heart naturally refuses to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And this is why Christ had to come and die and send his very own spirit to send his spirit into the hearts of sinful people like you and me to change our hard heart, to soften it to open it up so that our hands would open to pry open these hands that are clenched so tight to the things of this world just like we see in the book of Acts after the Holy Spirit was given to the believers It's wonderful. In chapter 2 it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And in chapter 4 from 32 we read this, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. Sounds ideal, really, doesn't it? The good news is the Holy Spirit isn't just for first century believers. It's for us too. And he's the only way any of us here at North Pine can have soft hearts and open hands toward each other. The good news is that in Christ, God has given us himself. And in this giving of himself, our sin debt has been released. And not just every seven years, but once for all time. We're free of all our eternal debt. Our sin, our guilt, our shame, it's all been removed, debt free. Every sick and twisted thought that we've ever had against anyone, against each other. Every time we've looked down upon the needy. Every time we've rejected and neglected those in need. All of that debt has been released from us. The good news is, Jesus Christ has freed us from our sin debt forever. The good news is that we're free from eternal debt. And now we have the most honourable obligation that there will ever be. To live for Christ by living like Christ. From eternity past, God planned to bring us together as a family, to be brothers and sisters. 
And on the cross, with his arms wide open, Jesus showed us exactly what it means to love each other as family should. He stopped at nothing. He gave everything. He lived and died with his hands wide open so that we could do the same. So that we could build one another up and lift one another up and meet each other's needs practically in everyday life and give each other a taste of heaven on earth. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. 1 John 3.17-18 If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. How about after the service, we find an opportunity to do good? Let's let's function like a family should. And we're needed to give freely and happily to each other so that no one lacks anything. And so the world around us may know that we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, your word is great, it is gracious, and it is generous. We thank you for your instruction in it throughout the whole of the scripture. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would stamp it on our hearts. Give us eyes to see where we can apply it today and every day. Make us more like Christ. Keep our hearts open and soft. Keep our hands open and wide. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.